Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rebel Mama Hotline. This week, we're discussing newborns and back-to-work bullshit, and we've got a jam-packed show filled with some pretty awesome guests. Today, we'll hear from sleep expert Amanda Jusen of Baby's Best Sleep, as well as Angela Grant Bushner, a fabulous, judgment-free lactation consultant and Rebel Mama community member. And last but not least, we'll also be hearing from the amazing Allison Venditti, who you probably know as the founder of Career Love, Career Coaching, and the Moms at Work Advocacy and Support Group. I'm super excited to hear from these lovely ladies, as well as a few other badass mamas who offered some truth bombs. Yeah, so let's get into it because we know you have shit to do. (laughs) Okay, so first let's talk about newborns because what the fuck, newborns? Seriously, what the fuck? Oh my god. First of all, the total lack of sleep, the sheer exhaustion, plus the fact that there's so much to do and so much to learn is what makes this phase generally suck. Even for people who say they like it, like Nikita. (laughs) No, I do. I love the newborn phase. But what I've found is that the newborn phase can be really terrible without a whole system of support. I definitely set up a massive system of support for myself when I had my kids. And that's probably why I didn't hate the newborn phase. But what's (laughs) your take on newborns, Alex? What surprised you when you had yours? Okay, I'll tell you what surprised me. Before I had my son, I never gave breastfeeding a second thought. I assumed it would be easy. It appears so on TV. Um, you know, your baby comes home and like, boom, you're they're sucking on your boobs and everything's great. But what actually happened was like three brutal weeks and my nipples were chapped and they were bleeding. I had a baby who couldn't latch and I literally had to cry through feedings. And it sucked. Like, I really didn't think I was going to get through it. But of course, like everything else, this passed and it became easier. And then soon I was just whipping my boob out everywhere. I remember that time in your life. Very clearly. (laughs) I almost threw in the towel. I was like, fuck this. Formula it is. I know. Honestly, the struggle is so real. So we put out a call for people to send us their biggest newborn hangups. And the Rebel Mamas once again did not disappoint. They never do. So my favorite came in through IG and she said, I have a two week old in my arms right now. What's up with his cold stare, especially while he's nursing? He is all shifty eyed and intense. When will he start to express something besides this quiet or fucking loud judgment? (laughs) It's so funny because it's so true. (laughs) Well, all we have to say about this is, girl, do not worry, because that baby of yours is pretty much blind. According to Dr. Google, babies are legally blind at birth. So when they're held to the breast, they can see their mother's face and not much beyond that. So over the first few months, your baby's vision will improve considerably. So he's looking at you like that because you are as far as he can see. Yeah. And the other thing, by the way, that I just learned is that your eyeballs are the same size from when you're born and and your face kind of grows around them and grows into them. So it might be kind of weird when they stare at you when they're teeny tiny because they're looking at you with like real eyeballs. Real human eyeballs. (laughs) It's super weird. And little humans are 
very weird. Um, some other hot topics that came up in our newborn poll included poo, of course. Like, how could we get through this conversation without poo? How does their shit fly out at that velocity? Someone said. And we say, hot tip, always place a new diaper under the one you're about to change and do not dilly-dally while wiping. Like, don't be having conversations and, like, looking at the TV or anything. You change that shit fast before it hits you in the face. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Also, weird breathing. And I can attest to this, too, because this scared the shit out of me as well. So why does no one talk about the loud grunting that happens with newborns or the fact that they just forget to breathe they hold their breath for like five to ten seconds at a time and then they gasp for air and you're looking at them like what the fuck is happening in there you know there's like that cliche that new parents stay up all night watching their kids sleep this is why because they randomly decide they're gonna take a little break from breathing for a few seconds and just scare everybody to death the paranoia is completely warranted. <laughs> totally, totally. There's just so much stuff. And if you're a new mom, it can be very daunting, right? Like it's so, everything's scary and you're just trying to keep this human alive. So another one we got is weird skin stuff, baby acne. And, and you know, basically every baby has it, but don't worry, it's hormonal. It goes away on its own. What we've heard on the streets, though, is the best cure for that shit is either some breast milk, which is like the cure for everything, or mustelic cleansing water. Breast milk was also great for us, by the way, when our kids had, what was it that they had that like snot in their eyes? Yeah, the clogged ducts. Yeah, that's it. And nothing was really working. And I was wiping like gently with water and stuff. And I started squirting milk right in there from my boob. And you did too, Nikita. And it worked. Yep. The magic of breast milk. I know. Squeeze that shit on the current world situation. (laughs) Put that shit on everything. (laughs) You think we could cure COVID with breast milk? Maybe. I hope someone's (laughs) tried because honestly. Um, Another really good one that someone brought up was the invasive nature of visitors. One commenter said that she was surprised at how upset she was at people coming by in the very early days because emotions, pain privacy, unsolicited advice. She just wanted it all to stop. And I feel like this is an issue that pandemic new moms are probably jealous of. This is a problem that they would like to have because they ain't having any new visitors. But at the same time, I totally get it. And I just, I would say just be super selective of who you let into your space postpartum. Boundaries are your friends start implementing them immediately because yeah you are in you're so vulnerable you really are and you just need people that are going to support you and make you feel good in life too yes. even if you if, if you're listening to this podcast by the way and you don't have a baby you too can be very selective with who visits you and create those boundaries yes boundaries for all okay so here's a big one breastfeeding of course how about the fact that breastfeeding is an actual full-time job like no joke nursing moms spend about 40 hours a week doing it i mean too bad like nobody's getting paid for this shit (laughs) yeah seriously you deserve money and applause and all kinds of fucking accolades trophies trophies And how about the night two phenomenon where the baby literally just wants to pull an all-nighter cluster feeding? Like, this is a real thing. 
One commenter remarked that nursing caused her so much grief that could have easily been addressed with support. Well, we know this firsthand because almost all of our new mom friends have come to us for guidance to where they can go for help with nursing. And that's why we turn to our friend, Angela Grant Bushner, who also happens to be the president of the Canadian Lactation Consultant Association. No big deal. And we were able to ask her, what's up with newborn feeding? How often do newborns really have to eat? And what are the best newborn feeding tips you've got? So let's hear from our friend, Angela. So newborns eat really, really often, actually. Um, We always say, you know, every two to three hours maximum between feeds. And people kind of hear that and think, oh, good, I only have to feed every three hours. But a normal newborn baby, especially, you know, I'm dealing mostly with breastfeeding parents, um, they feed every hour to two hours mostly, and they need to feed really frequently because it's such a small amount that they're getting in the early days. So first few days, it's like teaspoons to, you know, a whole ounce is all that a feed is. So it's not a lot. Um, even by two weeks, which is like a full supply to six months, babies get an average of just two to four ounces per feed. So that's why they're feeding really often. Um, And I think it's important to kind of learn about the different amounts on the different days and how it increases, just so you know what to expect, but also not to think you're doing anything wrong when babies need to feed so frequently. Obviously, it gets better later, but they need to feed often. Okay, so that was super helpful. I'm sure you can now see why we love her so much because all she just made that stress go away that everybody's like Googling everything and how much is my kid eating. But what about tummy time? It sounds so cute and so fun. And then it becomes this big source of stress because so many babies fucking hate it, including my, my kid hated it and they stopped doing so it. Mine. Um, yeah, I just like threw in the towel. I was like, you know what? It's fine. He'll be fine. But anyways, we asked Angela for her take on this too. And let's see what she had to say. So tummy time was invented because people weren't lifting their babies up a lot. This was in the 90s. Um, And so they actually invented tummy time to remind people that they couldn't just stay and have babies in car seats all day. So lying a baby down on their belly allows them to uh, strengthen the back of their neck, their neck muscles and the trunk muscles. So it is important, but it does not need to be stressful. Uh, A newborn baby does not need to be doing, you know, 15, 20 minutes of tummy time. Don't force them to do it. But it could be a minute, you know, after diaper change, every diaper change, you know, roll them onto their tummy, lean down, try to get them to lift their head and look at you. Or they could lie on your body while you're lying flat on the bed so they can try to lift their head. Uh, baby wearing's great. And just holding your baby uh, will let them practice this. So it really doesn't need to be a stressful thing. But tummy time and floor time, just letting a baby roll around, is really great for them to develop. But don't make it stressful. Yes, don't make it stressful. Just lift your baby like apparently they didn't in the 90s. I know. What's up with it? In the 90s, it was not in vogue to like lift your baby. <laughs> oh my God. Hilarious. Well, we could not let Angela go without asking her for her hottest feeding tips for new moms. Let's hear what she had to say. My top tips are always to actually wake a sleeping baby. So just in the first two weeks, don't let your baby sleep too long because there may be a reason that they're not eating often enough and that will mess with your supply. 
Um, and then also don't just put up with it if it's hurting you. It's really common to have pain in those first few days while you're learning, but it's actually not normal to have pain. So we want to fix that. Um, the latch usually can be improved. Even if someone keeps saying your latch looks great, if it's hurting you, don't buy it. Don't believe it. Get help because don't, don't just put up with that. It'll also affect your milk supply. Um, and then I guess I wish that everyone learned how to do hand expression because it's so handy. You can hand express anytime you're worried um, and just get a spoonful and feed that to the baby. In those first few days, it can be really reassuring to actually see something come out, um, but to learn how to do it and not worry when it takes a while. I think those are some top tips. Okay, so hopefully nursing mothers are feeling a little bit better about their lives right now. If you want to get in touch with our friend Angela, you can find her at nutmegconsulting.com. So, on to the continuation. There's so many things with newborns, but another newborn biggie and probably the biggest is sleep. As if you have to teach them how to sleep, by the way, because like you're already not sleeping, like nobody's sleeping. Now you have to teach them to sleep. It never even occurred to me that I would have to be doing this, you know, like being so concentrated on sleep times and wake windows and regressions. And then it became my life. I know. I got really obsessed too. It's the Virgos in us. We're like, oh, there's something that we should be able to control. <laughs> How interesting. Let's tackle. Hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we're just sleep enthusiasts. We're not sleep experts. So on this topic, we decided to get our girl Amanda Jusen, the founder of Baby's Best Sleep and the host of the Baby's Best Sleep podcast, to send over her two cents on newborn sleep for all you dazed and confused new mamas out there. I honestly feel so bad for new moms in this world. They push out a baby and immediately everyone is asking them, oh, is your baby a good sleeper? Is your baby a good sleeper? Listen to me right now. You have a newborn baby. They need to eat all night. They poop. They are fattening themselves up. I don't want any newborn mom to feel any shame. Well, any mom at any age of their baby to feel any shame about how their baby is sleeping. It's really normal for your baby to get up a lot. Um, and listen, the first few months are a bit of a shit show and it's not your fault. Okay. It's not your fault. Um, and I want you to do what you can to survive. Uh, make sure your baby's not overtired, get a nap and get that sleep any way you can. Okay. So I love her approach because it's just like, do what you can. Don't stress about it and don't worry about internet schedules and like those keener moms who tell you that their babies sleep perfectly because that's fucking bullshit, first of all. But thank you so much for your insight, Amanda. We love her and we love like throwing her questions about newborn sleep because she knows it all. So if you want to get in touch with her, you can find her at babiesbestsleep.com. Yes, and she can help you with sleep for any age, really. The newborn factor is terrifying because they're so fresh and new, but... As they get older, there are other strategies that can be put into place. So Amanda's your gal. Okay, so we have one more contribution on newborns that's amazing. And it's about postpartum sweating. I just love this because it just goes to show you what women have to go through and how much our bodies change. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be able to relate. So let's listen here. Can we talk about newborn sweats? Not as like the newborn sweats, but mommy sweats. Because I think I sweat more in the first week or two of motherhood than I have in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. 
The hormone struggle is so real. Everything seems out of whack. Your body expresses itself in strange ways. And waking up in a pool of sweat is definitely one of them. I know that happened to me. And I was like, come on, just like, can some, can like one thing be normal? <laughs> I know. And like, it doesn't even smell like normal sweat. I remember. I remember it smelling like bready. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not like B.O. No. You're just like like wet. <laughs> Not in a good way. No, in the worst way. Oh my Not god. Not in a Bridgerton way. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so funny. Okay, so yeah, all kinds of surprises. Before we close off our newborn chat, we also have to make a quick note that newborns also add a lot of stress to relationships. Ugh, I feel like early motherhood and wanting to murder your partner with their loud snoring and their useless nipples just go hand in hand, don't they? A hundred percent. And it can take a long time for new parents to feel good in their relationship again. And we're talking time measured in years, not months here, FYI. So if you've got a newborn or a young baby, we just want you to prepare yourself for some dark nights of whisper fighting and passive aggression in the kitchen in the morning. But once again, just remember that this phase is not forever and everybody becomes much more likable after eight consecutive hours of sleep. So just hang in there and try to find someone to vent to because that's actually incredibly helpful. And if you murder your husband, you have an alibi in us. So don't worry about it. This episode was brought to you by the Rebel Mama's Handbook for Cool Moms. If you're a mom or mom-to-be who wants to raise decent human beings, maintain your pre-baby identity, and not lose your shit along the way, congrats! You've just found the parenting book of your dreams. The Rebel Mama's Handbook for Cool Moms is a girlfriend's guide to early motherhood. It's the cheat sheet for all those boring baby books you will never get through. It's the instruction manual you wish your kids came with, complete with a cocktail list. Purchase wherever books are sold and support local book and gift shops if you're able. All right, now let's move on to our second hot topic, back to work bullshit. We had the Rebel Mama community chime in on this topic too, and once again, the ladies killed it. This comment in particular was rather succinct. Corporate patriarchal Canada doesn't give a shit about women or children. It sounds harsh, but sadly, this rings so true. Consider some of these depressing community anecdotes, and we plucked them straight out of our responses, so we're not making any of this stuff up. It's 2021, and it's still happening. I'm the only mother with a small child in my department who isn't on stress leave. She's a teacher. My position was terminated and they offered me a contract to come back. Then they gave all the employees raises, except contract ones, aka just me. Just got back from a second mat leave and missed a promotion op that my boss had primed for me. Cool, cool. So one woman's maternity leave equals another man's promotion then? Like, come on, this is Clearly, there is no wonder why women end up earning less than men. But exactly how much less are they earning again, Alex? Oh, let me tell you. 
On average, women in Canada make 72 cents for every dollar made by a man. That's right. And the numbers become even more grim for women of color. In the U.S., over a 40-year career, white women will earn $400,000 less than their male counterparts. If that doesn't piss you off, Black and Indigenous women will earn over $800,000 less. That's double. And Latinx women will earn over $1 million less over that same 40-year career. brutal and discouraging and disgusting. But anyways, let's compound this with the motherhood penalty. Oh, goody. (laughs) It just gets better and better. A phenomenon that sees moms earn 12% less than their childless female counterparts. That percentage grows with each child so that by the time a woman has her third or fourth, she's earning 20% less. That's 20% less of the 72 cents for every dollar a man makes. Like, what the actual fuck? Oh, I know. And if you've read our latest book, Get Your Shit Together, you already know this. The reason why we literally introduce the book with this info is because to us, it was really important to start out with data that would remind women If they aren't earning what they thought they should be, or if they don't have a lot of savings and they're starting to think it's their fault that they aren't financially savvy and they're not as financially savvy as their male counterparts, we wanted women to know that none of this is their fault. Mm -hmm. Our society was built for men to succeed at work and financially and for women to be encouraged to the home front to facilitate all the unpaid labor required to keep this world running as it does. The system is most definitely rigged, and it's not in our favor still. But the way to override the system is from the inside. So we need to get into the game. We need to be making money, saving money, investing money into the things we believe in. And that's how we're going to change the workplace policy. Absolutely. So the question becomes, how do we keep women in the workforce, funnel them into the leadership pipeline, disrupt the wage gap, and get rid of the motherhood penalty once and for all. This is a very complicated four-part question, but Moms at Work founder Alison Vendetti was the right woman to answer them. Alison is a career coach. She's an HR expert and paid transparency and equity advocate. Here is what she had to say. All right, I'll treat this like a four-part thing. To keep women in the Canadian workforce, we're going to have to have a national strategy. We're going to have to recognize that this is truly unprecedented and that they're going to have to ask us to be involved because for the first time, working mothers are now the experts in how they were impacted and affected by the pandemic. And I'm not talking about another stupid, stupid survey or a study. Stop studying us. We're not like, we're not zoo animals. Um, They're going to have to bring us to the table uh, so that we could be a part of the part of the fix. The problem with the leadership pipeline funnel is that a few things. One, we know that it's broken around the maternity leave piece, so that's going to have to be fixed. Um, I'm going to work on that, and hopefully you guys can help me with that. Uh, So the way that we worked in 1950, when the assumption is that you're going to have someone full-time at home, isn't the way that we work now. So if you want women in leadership, you're going to have to sort of change what work looks like and respect the fact that a lot of people in leadership, like 40% of our workforce is working parents. So you know what, maybe five days, 40 hours a week, isn't going to work for everybody. Maybe we can, you know, 
talk more about job sharing. Maybe we can do a lot of these things. And they're really easy to implement. Someone who's been doing HR for a long time, like this shit is not complicated to fix. Um, and that's how you're going to keep women in there. The wage gap is going to um, get a big boost. The fact that we have a new pay equity commissioner who is a mother of four and has the ability to impose financial penalties on corporations who do not comply with our new pay equity laws. That'll be pretty powerful. Um, and I guess the last piece is the motherhood penalty. And um, so maybe I should start with what is the motherhood penalty, which is the fact that women are penalized approximately 5% per child um, wage-wise, and that on the other side of that, there is something called a fatherhood bonus where men are actually paid more once they have children. So that one, uh, I think, is probably a whole other topic, but um, it, I think it ties into the other pieces. It's like once we get women into um, more decision-making roles, and that's going to happen simply because of like demographics, um, then we start having very serious conversations about how we, how we impact those things. So we also decided to ask Allison to hypothesize on why employers are so inhospitable to working mothers. It seems as though male employers simply want to maintain the comfort and simplicity of the old boys club and female employers have a hard time enabling conditions easier than what they themselves experienced. So let's hear her hot take on that. You know what, um, I take it from the viewpoint that, you know, in the 1950s and 60s, you weren't even allowed to be pregnant at work. So you got pregnant, you had to leave work, um, which I didn't know until my godmother told me that, which was um, a bit shocking. Um, but I think, I think, well, I know that in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years, I was like, we're going to have a huge shift because all of these women who are graduating from university and are, are moving up the ladder and are becoming middle management it's it's going it's going to be a big shift. The pandemic has sort of broken it open, and we have decided that we're no longer okay with the, the way things are. Um, so a few things I think are going to happen here. One is that women, especially in what I do, are recognizing that we are fifty percent of the population, and that we control household spending, and that you know we are more powerful than we initially thought we were. Um, so you know what, if mothers all decided to stop buying Volvos tomorrow there wouldn't be any more Volvos being sold. So um, we have to learn about our power. We have to wrap our heads around the fact that, you know, not one person makes a change, but when all of us get angry together, that does something. And that's how we've seen all sorts of change happen. And, and then the second part is, you know, we have to say that, you know, feminism can't exist if we don't have men on board. So I'm putting it out there to everybody to sort of, put your partners and your brothers and the men in your life on notice to say, we can't do this alone, nor should we have to. So I'm not okay with this sort of, you know, performative allyship where, you know, men say yes, yes. And, you know, throw on an equal pay t-shirt, but then show up at a meeting and don't say anything when someone talks over their female uh, coworker, you have to look at yourself and say, am I walking the walk or talking the talk? And if you're a man who's raising strong daughters or raising your sons to do this differently, it's more than just, you know, saying it, it's doing it. And I think that that's a huge shift in the fact that we have to start holding, you know, the men in our life accountable to this as well and say, like, we can't do this by ourselves and we shouldn't have to. 
So I think that will be a fundamental shift. And you know what? An even bigger shift is that like a lot of the old guard, as they call them, older men who have been in the business for a long time are retiring and leaving. And that's going to open up a whole new uh, world of possibilities. Yeah. Bye. I mean, she brings up such great points, right? Our purchasing power and and that we really have to tap into that. And then, of course, getting the men on board. Yeah, I think that two other things that are really important here um, that Alice and I actually spoke about as well, and she said that they were things that she would add to her list of solutions as well, are mandatory paternity leave or very highly incentivized paternity leave and subsidized or universal childcare. We're not going to get out of this until those two things are put into place. And I stand by my statement that we will get universal childcare as soon as we start demanding that men do at least half of the care work. Let's just put it out here that we're not the only ones that can care for other people. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, let the record show for sure. Okay, everybody, we hope that you found this episode informative and empowering. Yeah, I think we got some pretty important insights today. And my biggest takeaway from it was that women and mothers do not have nearly enough support for anything we do. We should be placed on a pedestal. We're literally raising the next generation and everything seems to be on our shoulders and and we need help and we need everybody to step up and, and help us do that. I agree. I think it is wild how much shit new moms specifically have to put up with from their babies, from their partner, from their employer. But it just proves that we have got to stick together. We have to share our knowledge with each other. And we have to go out of our way to help each other wherever we can. The Rebel Mama way. Yeah, baby. Now make sure you join us again next week because we'll be covering two very hot topics, toddlers and men. And you do not want to miss this one. They're one of the same, no? Toddlers and men? Yeah, I would say so. I think that's pretty accurate. (laughs) But before we go, we just want to say one last thank you to all the brilliant and amazing women who child into our conversation today. Angela Grant Bushner, who you can find online at nutmegconsulting.ca slash virtual academy. She was actually generous enough to create a 50% discount code for Rebel Mama. So if you are in dire need of her lactation consultant services, make sure to type in Rebel Mama 50 at checkout. You can keep up with Allison Venditti on Instagram at this moms at work. And be sure to take her maternity leave 2.0 survey, which we will link in our Instagram story for you today because we are totally backing everything she's doing and we're getting behind it and we're going to try to change this for all of us. Last but not least, Amanda Jusen can be found at babiesbestsleep.com and you can tune into the Baby's Best Sleep podcast for tips, tricks, and relevant discussions about all things sleep. Fun times. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you get some sleep and we'll see you next week. The song you've been enjoying throughout this episode is called Name and Number off the debut album Unrequited by Toronto's own Roshan. Stream it now on Apple Music.